Truth Still Matters, episode number 20. Come one, come all. Welcome to the Catholic Podcast. Truth Still Matters. The human person is made for truth. Despite this dictatorship of relativism, we breathe every day. This podcast exists in the stream of the new evangelization championed by Pope John Paul the Great and continued with Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI and Pope Francis. We will have the opportunity to learn and reflect on the timeless truths revealed by God and deposited in the Catholic Church. If you're looking for apologetics or theology, that can be applied to your life right now. You've found a new home. Stop drowning in the world of opinion and embrace yourselves for truth still matters. We've made it back for another episode of Truth Still Matters. Today's topic focuses on the Pope. Now, as Catholics, as well as non-Catholics, there are always questions about the Pope, specifically from non-Catholics. Where's the Pope mentioned in the Bible? Jesus is supposed to be the head of the church, not the Pope. Have you ever ran across those questions or had those questions yourself? Well, hold on, because hopefully answers will be on the way. In order to understand the significance of the Pope, we have to understand the significance of Peter. The Pope's connection to Peter is essential in having a true understanding of the nature of the papacy. Peter enjoys a special role in the New Testament. He does. Just a cursory glance of the New Testament shows Peter standing out first and foremost among the apostles. He's always mentioned first whenever the list of apostles is mentioned. Peter is the one who speaks on behalf of all the apostles. Just in the sheer numbers of times, Peter's name is mentioned. Peter's name is mentioned like 195 times in the Gospels and in Acts versus a combination of all the apostles, which comes to about 130. That is a huge difference. Peter has a special place, not because he's special, <laughs> but because he's open to the grace of the Father, because, he's, because he has a heart for Jesus. I mean, Jesus himself called Peter Satan. <laughs> Remember? Peter is not special on his own accord, but in his openness, in his heart for the Lord, the Lord raises him up and places him in a position 
that is given that you and I might be fed the pure, unadulterated truth that Jesus died and rose to give us. Jesus prays for Peter singularly in the Gospel of Luke. Look at this text. It says that the devil has desired to sift you. In the Greek there, it's y'all, it's plural. And then Jesus prays specifically, not for y'all, but for you in the singular, for Peter that his faith might be strengthened. And when his faith is strengthened, that he would turn and strengthen his brothers. It's Peter that singularly appointed the universal shepherd. He's commanded to tend the flock. And now let's look specifically at the gospel of Matthew. Before we get into the details of Matthew 16, which involves Peter's name change. I want to go back through salvation history very quickly, just so that we have a complete understanding of the significance of when someone's name is changed. Remember Abram. His name was changed to Abraham as that covenant promise was upgraded to a covenant oath in Genesis 17. Abram meaning exalted father to Abraham, meaning the father of a multitude of nations. Whenever there's a name change in the Bible, that is significant. It's an indication that that person now has a new role in salvation history. Abraham's wife, Sarai, her name was changed to Sarah. Remember Jacob? Jacob's name meaning supplanter or trickster. His name was changed to Israel, one who strives with God. And then we get Simon. Simon was Peter's original name. And his name is changed to Peter. Let's take a look at Matthew 16. And I tell you, you are Peter. And upon this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell or the gates of the netherworld shall not prevail against it. Very, very interesting, very revealing. Simon's name is changed. Just to give you a context, Jesus is asking, who do men say that I am? Who do you say that Jesus is? And everyone had different answers. Some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah. But Peter, moved by the grace of the Father, says, you are the Christ the son of the living God. Peter, by God's grace, is able to identify Jesus as the son of the living God. And as a response, Jesus says, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood have not revealed this to you, but my father in heaven. And so after Peter identifies who Jesus is, Jesus turns and identifies Peter. He says, no longer are you Simon, you are Peter. And upon this rock, I will build my church. Now there's a word play here that escapes us in the English. If you go to the Greek, it says, you are Petros. And on this Petra, I will build my church. Petros and Petra, meaning rock. That's what Peter means, 
the rock. Jesus continues to be the head of his church, but he's establishing Peter to play a special role as the rock. Jesus continues to be the cornerstone and always will be the cornerstone. Jesus is the head of his church, but Peter has the specific role given to him by Christ to be this rock. Now, some people object to this. Some people look at Petros and Petra. Jesus is distinguishing between Peter's confession of faith, okay, and Peter himself. They say that Petros means little rock and Petra means massive rock. The reason why we have a change in words, so to speak, is because Petra is feminine. And you can't use Petra to refer to a man. Petros is masculine. Hence the difference, Petra, Petros. But if you look at the original language that Jesus spoke, that was Aramaic. And the wordplay is clear in the Aramaic. He says, you are Kepha. And on this Kepha, I will build my church. He's referring to Peter himself. And the church has always taught that it's not an either or, Peter's confession of faith or Peter himself. The church teaches that it's both. It's Peter and his confession of faith. You cannot separate the two. So it is very clear that Peter enjoys a prominent primary role in the New Testament. And once you seriously take a look at the New Testament, you can't really argue with that. But then the question is, and some people will agree with us that yes, Peter did have a specific unique role in the New Testament. But how do we know that Jesus wanted that role to be continued throughout church history? There are many things people say that started or that happened in the early church that weren't intended to continue. Just keep reading in Matthew and you get, I get, the answer to that objection. Jesus tells Peter, I will give you the keys of the kingdom and whatever you bound on earth will be bound in, in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. The keys of the kingdom. Now, in order to truly understand that, we've got to dig back into our Jewish history. Now, I know you've heard many jokes about Peter standing at the gates of heaven with the keys of the kingdom. And people draw those jokes from this verse here in Matthew 16. But is that truly understanding the Jewish history here? Not at all. When Jesus gives Peter the keys of the kingdom, the Jewish listener here, the Jewish hearer automatically goes to Isaiah 22. Isaiah 22 describes a position in the Davidic kingdom, this position known as the prime minister. And the prime minister of the Davidic kingdom held the keys. And those keys gave that person the authority to open or shut, or to quote Matthew, to bind and to loose. These are rabbinic terms which indicate the ability or the authority to govern or rule according to specifications, according to laws. This prime minister occupied an authority over the day-to-day -day activities, 
They were not the king of the Davidic kingdom, but they were in charge of the everyday activities and they had authority given to them by the king. And this authority was meant to be passed on. How do we know that? When you look at Isaiah 22, it shows it. There's an unfaithful servant, an unfaithful prime minister in this position of prime minister. And his name is Shebna. And because of his unfaithfulness, Shebna is removed and he's replaced with a man by the name of Eliakim. And Eliakim is described as being or will be a father of the inhabitants of Judah. He's a father. How telling is that? Fast forward to the New Testament. Jesus gives Peter the keys of the kingdom. Oh my goodness. Jesus is establishing a new prime minister in his kingdom because Jesus is the fulfillment of that Davidic kingdom. Remember, Jesus himself says the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent. He's the person that was going to, that is sitting on the throne of David forever. And it's this awesome connection that enables us to understand what Jesus is doing with Peter. He's establishing him as the prime minister who's going to be able to govern according to Christ's authority. The Pope comes from a term, Papa, which means father. Wait a minute. Eliakim in Isaiah 22 was going to be a father as a prime minister. <laughs> Do you see the connection? Peter is the new Papa. He's the Pope. He's the father. He's the, the royal servant, the prime minister that has the keys. Now, he doesn't govern alone. As, as you read in Matthew 16, the rest of the apostles are given the authority to bind and lose also. But Peter is individually given the keys of the kingdom. This is exciting. It's Peter that's given the authority to feed the sheep. If Peter is given that specific authority, what does that say about you and I? We can't just receive nutrients from anyone. We can't just be fed from any Tom, Dick, or Harry, from anyone that claims to be ordained. You and I have to be fed from the one that was appointed by Christ himself. If Peter has the authority to feed and the Pope is his successor, that's the connection, then you and I have the responsibility of eating, of feeding from the successor of Peter. Jesus isn't doing that to boss us around. Jesus is doing that to feed us. And we need to tell others about this place where we receive the fullness of the faith. That faith that Jesus died and rose to give us. We're not above anyone. We're beggars that have found a source of food. And we're telling everyone else that we see, everyone else that we run into, everyone else that we encounter to look, to come and see for yourself. We're getting fed. If you don't want to, God bless you. But I can't spend time, waste time arguing. I've got to continue to eat. 
I'm inviting you to come eat. Join us. And we all go through different trials and tribulations in our lifetime. But Jesus remains steady and his kingdom remains steady and his prime minister, his royal steward remains steady. And we've been blessed with Saint Pope John Paul the Great, with Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI and Pope Francis. May God bless and continue to work in his church despite the weakness of her members, that Jesus, that the Father, that the Holy Spirit might be glorified forever and ever. Amen. Suffered and died for me